Welcome to the De-Stress Your Business podcast, where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual, and I'm joined by my co-founder and co-host, Paddy Mann. Good morning. Good morning. Today, we're going to be talking about onboarding of new team members and specifically why it's often done so badly. We'll cover the impact that this has, what it costs the business, and what causes the key issues. So Paddy, let's start off with how does bad onboarding feel and what stress does that cause? Um, we'll, we'll cover both for the, for the employee and for the wider team. Cool. All right. Well, I'll start with the, the employee. And I think when we're thinking about the stress, the first thing to remember is that every time when you start a new role, it, it is a moment of excitement and you express mm-hmm. that excitement to your friends and family, you tell them about it. But for pretty much everyone that I've seen start a new role, everyone that I've had start a new role below me, uh, and in my own experience, it's also a time of anxiety. You are anxious about the change. It's a huge change in your life. It's a moment of instability. You are anxious about whether you are going to be able to deliver on uh, on the performance that your company is now going to expect and the new team members will expect. Will you meet the expectations that you set in your interview process and so on? You will be also anxious about whether the company and the new team is going to meet your expectations. Are they going to support you in a new way? Are they going to correct some of the mistakes or issues that you may have had in previous roles? So it's it's definitely a period of excitement, but it's also is kind of an anxiety. So there's kind of, there's kind of this ground level of uh, stress going in, which when done well, you, you've got companies that can, that can solve that, that can help look at the, the, the new employee to feel reassured and uh, get confident uh, quickly and be well supported throughout it. Whereas when it's not done so well, and I, I hate to say it, but I think not being done so well is the norm rather than the uh, the few bad cases. Agreed. Then, then you know, obviously that anxiety grows or and often stays around for a much longer period than it should because it takes much longer to to feel comfortable in the new role and to really understand where you sit. Um, there can be a sense of kind of frustration because things often move a lot slower. Uh, than the employee had hoped. They, you know, they got excited about all the things they're going to be doing in their new role and all the great things they're going to achieve. And the reality hits home that getting up to speed requires a lot of meetings. And actually, they don't get the time with the right people they need, and all the knowledge that they need to get get running isn't there. And then, in the worst case, you know, they're waiting for an actual laptop, but it's often waiting for login details or waiting to get access to a manager or what, whatever. And it's just this kind of knocking into their excitement and turning it into kind of a a sense of ah man okay maybe 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 it's not going to be so great but but you hopefully you've still got hope at that point but if it continues if it if you're kind of getting weeks and months in and there are some kind of persistent issues you're not getting the guidance that you need to do your job well as a result you're making mistakes as a result the managers and other people around you are are noticing it and you can see that it's hurting them providing you know a huge amount of time and support for you um then obviously that that then leads to bigger stresses you you get insecure in your role that excitement at joining the new company it, it diminishes into disillusionment um and obviously at that point 
it's uh, it's not just that you're unhappy uh, potentially in the role, but you may well be starting to look for a new one. And it's a huge percentage. I think mean, so sometimes say it's like thirty percent of new employees will leave their 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 company within the space of um, months. And and you sometimes talk about it being a bad hire, but that's I always think that's that's not quite right. I think often it, it is a good hire that hasn't been supported. And I think it's actually, I would argue, more common that you've hired someone who's capable, but they haven't been given the the kind of the, the, the support, the frameworks that they needed to, to have a chance to make it work. So yeah, that's the, that's the employee. So quite a lot of stress wrapped up in there. I'll, I'll give you a chance to speak before I, I look at the other side on the manager and the team. Yeah, I, th- I think you summarise it really well. I think the um, uh, I really like the fact that we start here by acknowledging that this is a very human experience. You know, yeah. so I think the temptation is when you're looking at company onboarding and getting someone set up in a role and sorting out people's contracts and all these sorts of things, like it can feel very businessy. It can feel very oh yes. Uh, and, and, and typically, because for a business owner, or a business leader, like they've spent so they've poured so much time and effort into the recruitment process that sometimes I think the employee onboarding part feels almost like, oh, do I have to? Like I've 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 put you know three plus you know three to six months into recruiting this person, and it's like it's almost like I, I think often the finish line feels like the agreeing the start date. Whereas in reality, it's that that was the short, easy bit. The the real um, value and uh, and the important bit comes into how you onboard that employee and how you get them set up and, and all these things for the very reasons that you've described. Because of the anxiety of going in and because of um, you know this is this is where the rubber meets the road. It's where that employee is basically judging: did they make a good decision? And otherwise, they're going to go through essentially sort of buyer's remorse of saying. You know, actually, I'm not. I'm not sure I did. And I've seen, I've seen, for um, you know, when talking to other business owners, I remember talking to one who said that um, they had a business, they had a, a hire that they made who left after seven weeks, and it was really frustrating because they'd spent ages doing the recruitment, limiting them down, identifying exactly who the right person was, and bringing them in, and then that person leaves after seven weeks, and it's all for nothing. And uh, I was discussing it with this uh, business owner and you know talking about some of the challenges and there was a, another business owner um, who owned a, an accounting firm um, who sat next to sat near us and uh, he went uh, I had that after two days and like imagine uh, well in fact I was going to say imagine what experience it must take that someone leaves after two days of joining their company but actually I think as you said at the beginning that's not far off the norm unfortunately for many people, for many employees, their experience of joining a new business is that they turn up and they might, it might even be that the manager goes, oh, is that today? Oh, you're coming today? Oh, well, you know, great, welcome. Let's see if we can find you a desk. Um, Tina, I think she's out today. So you can use her chair and her desk and um, we'll sort you out with a computer. It's like, that doesn't create a, a great experience and adds to all the anxiety and the, and the lack of feeling belonging and so on. It reminds, reminds me of a, a Dilbert cartoon where... Um, the first frame is that the the employee is meeting their manager for the first day, and uh, uh, and the manager is saying we don't really have formal onboarding here. We um, we like to let our employees learn uh, by osmosis. And the second frame is the employee going, I'm I was an idiot to choose to work here. And the third frame is the manager saying, See, you're starting to think like the rest of the staff already. Um, 
And, and I think that's, you know, unfortunately, when, when the default, when the default is we learn by osmosis and that we like to just put you around the other members of the team and, and, and hope that that's how you're going to learn how to do the job. I think that it creates so much additional anxiety for the employee because it basically says to the employee, right, you like responsibilities on you that you have to work out what matters and what doesn't. You have to keep your eyes peeled and observe and ask the right questions to understand how this business works. What are the most important things to get right? How do we, you know, how do we create success here and impact and so on? And you put all of that on them when it, it doesn't need to be that way. And I think often the best best employees that we've ever hired, hired are, perhaps ironically, the ones that are least sure of their ability to add value and that they're the most nervous, the most anxious about how quickly that they're going to be able to do that. And of course, those are the ones you want to keep the most. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, uh, it's a very human experience and, and one that most of us have had once or more than once and, and also know other people that have had some really bad experiences. So it, it's really painful for the employee. What about for the, for the rest of the team then? Uh, what's the, the stress that causes them? Well, I'll start with the manager because this is, uh, you say it's a human experience for the, the employees. Certainly uh, as a manager and as a, uh, a business owner, bringing in initial employees, I found it to be a very human experience uh, there as well. It's a, you're building a new relationship with someone. You're taking you're taking a risk on your on your company on the whole team by bringing in a new component and you don't know how well it's going to fit you don't know how it's going to work with the other the other people the other parts um and if you're in a small business then it's a very expensive component it's a very expensive new toy uh, and it, it costs you a significant amount every week every month and it's like if it doesn't work out then there's you know, there's this huge stress on what that means for your ability to hit your goals, to grow your company, or even to um, even to survive. And you've hired. I mean, you've hired because uh, perhaps you've identified opportunities to grow, but more likely you are stretched thin. You know, you do not have time at this moment. You have uh, got to the point where you realise you're about to burst, so you're bringing someone else in new. You've gone through recruitment, which has knocked you sideways. And you're going, we need, desperately just need more hands on deck to get going. Uh, and then the new person comes in and you're like, brilliant. When are we going to start seeing the impact? And, and there's this kind of hope that with very little effort from above, uh, we're going to start seeing this big positive change. But it's um, it's not going to be like that. And particularly if you're relying on hope rather than systems to see you through. And as a manager, that the types of stress you're going to see, you're going to see if, if you're, if you haven't got kind of a systemized onboarding process, it's going to take a huge amount of time. You're going to discover that there is a huge amount of knowledge that they need to hand over that they're even with the best of intent, even the cleverest people, they have no way of understanding the values and vision and goals and best practices of how each task is done in the eyes of your company and uh, of you as a manager they have nothing no way to get that other than by using whatever systems and guidance you give them by talking to people or osmosis which means talking to people making mistakes hopefully having mistakes uh corrected over some period of time and uh that normally taking months and and years to get anywhere so it's it's really stressful because your time is being 
taken up you're being derailed from from um your your other priorities but then there's the stress of doubt that you will start to form about the new employee because they will be underperforming they will be making mistakes again and again the, the, we sometimes uh, describe the like when you teach people if you remember if you've been to university and you've been in lectures and you you kind of uh, imagine that you're being lectured to and you come out of that 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 lecture and you go okay what do i remember and it's like there's no way that you remember all the details um you remember the kind of the high level points the general direction of there being something important to know about but then you've got google to go back to you've got your textbooks to go back to and yet in so many companies the onboarding they give them the lecture but there's nothing else there and then they're surprised when they make mistakes because they don't forget every little detail or quite as is quite often the case there are details which uh, the manager forgets to uh, pass across in that in in that lecture and so they're making mistakes and you 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 solve it by lecturing them again and you don't feel like it's a lecture you feel like it's a good quality coaching conversation and the the employee kind of goes yes i understand and and so on but it that's what it is that they are not having other resources that they can use proactively to solve their problem so they do forget again they do make the same mistakes and you you get this doubt and i i've, I've been there i've been the cold sweats the the wake late at night because i'm wondering if i've made a terrible decision and I was wondering about this, about a developer we'd hired who, when we went through that recruitment process, I think we had 1,600 applicants and we whittled it down. And I can assure anyone listening that this guy was shining above everyone else, even in the last 10 that we'd narrowed down. Uh, and, you know, we, we did many projects. We did all sorts of things to test. And I could see that he is way better than the average. And I know for sure that he, this guy is exceptional. Uh, at what he does but he was making the same mistakes and again and again and I, I was doubting it I was wondering whether we, we need to try again whether I need to go back to doing it myself uh, and of course this, you know, we're holding back the business we're holding back growth there's this big unspoken conflict between me and the new joiner and that's me as a manager and of course the rest of the team feel the same kind of pains as a manager because they're also investing a large amount of time they're also being derailed from their priorities and they're also second guessing whether it was a good decision to bring this person her person in and say normally um that's completely unfair on the new person coming in because they just haven't got the chance they haven't got the 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 systems the ground you know ground systems in place on which they can have a good swing of the bat have a good chance at doing well in their job yeah completely agree i i, I think the uh, uh there's a few d different causes of stress and uh you've i think done a good job there of going around a variety of them the one that i probably see most commonly is or at least and particularly up front is the time stress it's the it's the fact that they're you know often people are hiring because they're they're stretched exactly as you say um and uh, you know, if I take an example of when I've hired into sales, often you're hiring into sales because you've got, you've managed to crack, okay, this is how we've got some leads, you know, coming in the top of the funnel. And on the one hand, you know that you're, as the leader, you're, you know that you're, one of your top priorities is get these new, these new employees in, trained up so that they can now take the, 
uh, take the take the strain that they can they can start delivering value and that they can be converting and having those sales conversations and doing the follow up and all those sorts of things that allow you to grow the business and go back to lead generation and and so on. But of course, the the stress is you know that they won't be ready in hour one of joining, definitely not, and you don't know for sure when they will be ready, and so you end up having to do both. You end up having to do both the onboarding and the job, and so that feels very stressful because you're trying to fit it in and fit it all in. And I think for a lot of managers, they end up doing the prep for the onboarding outside working hours. They're doing it, you know, late at night, the morning before, all these sorts of things for that new employee to join, um, so that they can still be doing the some of that day to day. But then, of course, they also find that the employee, particularly as you say, if the structure's not there, then that new employee needs quite a bit of attention. They're high maintenance, which leads the manager to find themselves pulled between pillar and post and out, out of, straight out of a sales meeting, straight into the meeting with the, the team member and then out the team member to back in, back in with another sales call or whatever. And of course, that's not a great look for the employee because it, it looks sort of overwhelmed and frenetic and stressed and, and so on. And for the manager, it just yeah, it feels horrid and there's quite a bit of risk there in terms of what it means for, for your um, uh, sales and so on. So, uh, yeah, I think in terms of that stress and of course, we've talked quite a bit about the manager there, but for all the other team members, like the other team members that are take, either taking up the slack or having to answer the questions, getting the derails um, and wondering exactly as you say, like a wondering, oh, is this is this person a good hire? Um, and often the answer is they should be like, you know, you've done enough on your recruitment process, uh, but it's just that you need to set them up to succeed. So I really like that. I mean, we're talking a lot about the the emotional um, cost, I suppose, and the and the risk there. What about the financial? Because we, you know, we we know that um, this can easily cost tens or even hundreds of thousands of pounds per hire. So what? Why? You know, when we break that down, why is that? And where where are the costs coming from? And uh, and what does? Uh, how does that add up? Yeah, good, good question. And it's something that we. Uh, I think as, certainly as business owners, but as most people bringing in new people, we, we choose not to think about. We, we like to be optimists and look at the fact that we've got a solution and we don't look at the risk that we're taking on at the same time and how to avoid that risk materializing. And when you put numbers on it, if you are open and honest about it, if you reflect on your own experiences in the past or any other business leader, owner, manager about the reality then these are big, hairy numbers that deserve a lot more investment and time than you're trying to uh, solve with sorting out their onboarding a few days before they start in the in the after hours. It's a a significant pain point which is going to hold you back, hold your team back, and will often knock uh, a team or business back for for six months or a year or more. So, you know, what are the specific, some of the specifics? Well. Um, first you've got the, you know, the new employee that come in, they are not getting up to the speed and they are not delivering on their promise of providing value for your team. Uh, and that means of course, any value that they could be delivering. And, and if done well, we, we like to get our, for example, uh, developers, it's a highly skilled uh, area of the business, lots of best practice, but we get them adding value, uh, by the end of week one. For many, many companies, we're talking weeks, months, or even longer until they're consistently adding more value to the team 
then they are taking away from the business through through the additional support and, and needs they, they want. So first there's the cost of not having a an extra hand actually solving your problems. Then there's a cost of the derail for you and your team. Uh, first with the coaching and the, le the, the lectures, the, the training that you're trying to give them, but essentially, you know, the one to one calls that you give up front. And often, uh, you know, he'll go around different team members to get different bits of expertise, all of these sessions. But then it's the ongoing support because they don't get remembered. These these lectures, they, they most of the details get forgotten, which leads to mistakes happening, which needs the mistakes need managing and then additional coaching and one to one calls are needed to correct them. And then similar mistakes happen again and again and again. And you're now losing a significant chunk of your week every week to supporting the challenges that are coming up and this is this is costing you in terms of your time but it's costing the opportunity that is time that we want managers being spent on strategy on making product improvements on improving processes so there's a huge opportunity cost for what your team could be doing if they are not um supporting the the employee then there's the cost of when it often uh goes down the pan and the employee goes then at that point you've got the cost of the, the you know the massive deval investment you've made on recruitment plus all the time that you've invested up to this point uh it's likely that the employees added net barely anything to benefit to your company and they they've lost so there's a huge cost at this point and in many companies it's like we're talking 30 percent of employees go this way in the first year and it may be that they leave within the first couple of days um which is crap um and painful but in some ways, it's better than if they leave after two weeks when you've been derailed for two weeks and they've not delivered any benefit. And we've had it where they've left after a year because the it wasn't just, just that, that initial first few weeks, but it was the ongoing support that we got them. They never got up to to full speed. And this is really, really common that you've got people in your company that have been there for years and still, you know, they're not up to full speed. They don't have some of the, the, the key knowledge or understanding how to do tasks, which you want them to. Uh, and so we've at that point spent a whole year investing a lot of time solving a lot of mistakes. And again, we've lost them that entire investment in something that could be helping our team and unblocking us from growth goes and yeah, we we go back to square one, we suddenly have to stop what we're doing, uh, take on the tasks that we had managed to ha hand over uh, and, and, and go back around the, the loop. So, you know, 10s of 1000s of pounds is a, if you're lucky, that kind of number hundreds of thousands of pounds yes yeah. that's the the norm and for certain hires uh with the the impact that that mistakes the mistakes that they make can have on your sales on your product on anything else it it can go seven figures and beyond yeah agreed no i, I really like that i think the um uh, as, uh there's some obvious costs and then there's a lot of hidden costs and i think yeah. you know you've covered a lot of the hidden costs i, I remember um uh, uh, seeing a, a statistic which said that when you have a failed hire, so like you know someone um, who leaves uh, early in that journey, um, typically because of uh, poor onboarding process and so on, that it costs you three times their salary in terms of opportunity costs, in terms of training costs, and all these sorts of things. And so you know that means for someone who's on just above thirty three thousand a year, sort of you know. Um, uh, not not a crazy salary, by average, like that's co that cost the business a hundred thousand pounds for that one failed hire, and so if um, 
you know, if, if every if for every two or three people that you're hiring, you've got that kind of situation, that's a significant amount of money that could be being used to further grow the business more effectively, which makes me think of the other challenge, which, um, again, is that one of those hidden costs is the cost of slowing down growth. Because often when we're talking about onboarding, we're really thinking about about like individual hires, like, okay, I've, I've hired a developer or hired a salesperson or whatever. But of course, um, for some for some fast, really fast growth businesses, but actually for any business over a period of time, we're not just hiring about one or two people. We're talking about hiring large quantities of people over an extended period. And the speed with which you can do that and that you feel confident doing that and that you feel able to bring in two, three, five, ten, twenty people at the same time um, is largely going to help determine your ability to scale and grow when things are going well. And when you're not able to do that, when you know it kind of feels like, oh, well, I'd like to bring in two, three, five people, but we haven't got time to train all of that and get them all uh, up to speed. Therefore, we'll just do one or two now and then uh, stagger them and so on. The impact of that, the slowing down of your growth and ability to scale for those fast growth businesses is easily worth seven figures. Um, and particularly, you know, when you roll it forward uh, over the years. So it's, um, yeah, it's uh, an extremely expensive thing to, to both be losing employees, losing the time, losing the opportunity, uh, that opportunity cost of what they could be doing and also slowing down, uh, slowing down growth. So um, we've talked about a few reasons, but why do you think it is that most onboarding sucks? Like, why is it that most businesses are treating this as the norm and that they're kind of stuck with how it currently works? Good question. And this is an area where we, of course, have put a lot of uh, thought in both in our own experiences and sort of in our own onboarding. And because when we we're talking to, to businesses around the challenges they have with their business processes and the things that are holding them back in their business, then we've about 50% of the businesses that we're talking to will highlight that their their urgent challenge that they've got is that they're trying to scale the team and they've got a new employee either who's just started or they're about to hire or um, they want to hire and feel blocked from from doing so and so it's something that we we've now had to to work with must be hundreds of, of, of business leaders in solving this specific problem. And we see five big, big points which are holding the, the companies back that are, are doing badly that we are looking to then try and try and solve. So these five points why we see you know, onboarding um, uh, sucking in so many organizations. First one is there's just this... Uh, ambiguity around where onboarding really sits um literally talking yesterday to to, to someone and, and they're seeing uh we're doing some of our policies are uh, are set up in hr and i've got the team creating some in their own systems and what's going on here and, and people don't realize it they think that employee onboarding is a single process led by that should be led by a single person but that's that's not actually how it, it can or should happen Really, you've got your company onboarding where you are looking to bring someone up to speed with your company values, your goals, all the context they need about how you as a broad team um, in your company work together. And that would top typically be, belong to HR as a central function who can take responsibility for, for this. And then you've got role onboarding. And this is where you're trying to get someone up to speed in 
uh, everything that they need to be doing to be confident in their role. And so often people believe that all the onboarding, well, it's, it sounds like an HR term, therefore it lives in HR and HR responsible for doing it. There's no way that HR can bring your team up to speed in what they need to be able to do to excel in their role. They don't have the ability to understand that role. They don't have the ability to define the, the tasks. They don't, they don't have that. And so you have to split it. Um, it, it just cannot work when you, when you try and put it all in HR. Not only is it a problem with it trying to put it all in HR, but it's um, associated with that. It, it's not even a 50-50 split. The company onboarding, though it's this, this big thing that's important for everyone coming in, is something that will typically take a few days max and um, yeah, often, often quicker than that. The role onboarding is something that's going to last for weeks, months, maybe even years, depending on the, on the role. So actually, that's where the biggest focus of time needs to go in for, for your new, new joiners. So that's the first mistake. Believing onboarding lives in HR when, when it needs to be split. Um, second one is not setting clear goals for what the onboarding uh, needs to do. And so assuming that it's just uh, about getting them people ready over the first few days, it, it's more of an induction about welcome to the team and here's your computer and here's how we work and you'll work it out over the next two years. If you set the goal for your role onboarding as something more like we want employees to be happy and confident so they can excel in all areas of their role, then just having that, that clarity of the goal, suddenly you realize, well, that's not going to happen within a week. And it changes the scope of what you're going to try and achieve. And it, it greatly uh, changes your, your chances of actually succeeding with the onboarding that you provide. The third one um, is a lack of foundations. And we often talk about the pyramid of guidance. Um, on the foundational level, you want to have SOPs that describe how to do tasks. They can be simple checklists and policies. Your training needs to be a layer above. You cannot have training as the foundation for how you provide guidance because people forget. Instead, you need to have things documented in some form. It could be a video or, or written down checklist, but it needs to be available so people can proactively solve their challenges. And if you don't have that foundational layer, then, then you're going to see the mistakes. You're going to see the osmosis. Fourth one is expecting everyone to move at the at the same pace. Um, that simply isn't isn't the case for any two joiners that we come in, and we often bring in two or more people in the, into the same role at the same time. We will see that they they go at a different different pace, and they have different learning styles. They have different levels of experience coming into the role. There are some areas. It's often you, you see them almost like a race car going against each other. There'll be one area where one will fly through it because they've used a tool before, because they understand that concept. And then you'll see another area where someone else will, will go faster. Sometimes you'll have new joiners who are going to take a lot longer for everything that they're learning just because of the way that they learn. And it, it, it has little or no reflection on how they then deliver or their, their impact or speed later on. Uh, and you have to remember this as a manager because it can be a stress point going, oh, man, it feels like this person's going slow. We've now seen it enough to know that you cannot read from, from the speed. It is just that some people need to read and make their notes and challenge and so on, while others are just happy to scan, knowing that they can come back to it later. And it makes a big difference. But people don't move at the same speed, so you have to accommodate that. And then the final one, the fifth one that I'll, I'll put in there is that 
if you if you google for how to do great onboarding if you go looking online then you're going to find a lot of articles and blogs which i would say are a bit fluffy and they focus on the really shiny bells and whistles that you can do on top of solid onboarding so the amazing uh laminated pack with everything branded and 20 different items that all branded and the poster and the all the little things that are being sent out to make the, uh, someone feel feel great and the this is not that it's bad to do it obviously if you if you're able to throw in stuff on on top and make people feel great then that's that's amazing but that is not how you get to great onboarding you can have little or none of that if you've got the the foundations if you, if someone is able to come into the role and work out what they need to do that's a hundred times more important uh, and in terms of that that wow factor it's actually just little things to make sure that the new employee feels welcome and supported when they come in will make will make all the difference it doesn't you don't need the shiny things but the it's the shiny things which so often get the the attention on on blogs on social media um and that can be confusing to you as someone who's trying to solve onboarding in your in your company love that love those uh, love those reasons and completely agree with that i think that last one uh, particularly resonates for me of of when i see posts about onboarding and when people talk about it you know at events and people are on the stage and so often the things that they're referring to are oh you know send them a gift or do this with this experience or you know invite them to this particular location to give them an experience of that and it's like those things are great and they can create some of the connection they can create some memorable experiences and so on um but as you say, like you don't like it's not that you don't need those things, you, it, but they um, they're a relatively small part of the impact, and so I, I absolutely love that. Um, I'm conscious that uh, we're uh, we're short on time. Our intention this session is to just cover you know how, uh, why uh, onboarding often sucks, uh, and so in a subsequent episode, we're going to cover how to actually fix these issues. What are the, is the process to you know to do that? What are the things that you actually need in place if it's not? Uh, some of the things that we've described. So we're going to cover that on a subsequent episode. But so far in today's episode, we covered how does bad onboarding feel, what stress it causes, uh, the cost that there's been for the, the business, and that we've seen the, the financial cost easily goes into to six figures per hire. Uh, and as Paddy's just got, taken us through, why onboarding typically sucks and, and what are the kind of root causes for, for why business leaders um, let it be treated so uh, so poorly and, and managed by it so badly. But uh, in a in our next episode, we will go deep into how do you fix these issues, how do you create onboarding that doesn't suck uh, and creates a great outcome. Uh, anything else to cover, Paddy, before we wrap up? Nope, looking forward to tomorrow's episode. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, now, as a regular uh, uh, listeners will know, we run a weekly webinar on how to free up 15 hours per week and remove the constant stress of running a business without slowing down growth. It's every Wednesday at 1 p.m. UK time, and you can find out more and register at www.airmanual.co forward slash webinar. And a final note for our podcast listeners, as a new podcast, we need your help. If you found the content today interesting and valuable, please can you just take one minute to, take a, uh, to leave an honest review. This will help the podcast get more visibility and as a result, allow us to help more people. Until next time, have fun.